Welcome to the New City Church Podcast. New City is a church in Bath, Maine that exists to make disciples, develop leaders, and plant churches that multiply. This week, Pastor Joel Littlefield is preaching a message from Matthew chapter 5, verses 33 through 37, called The Truth About Vows. We hope you are blessed by the message today. Um, I am going to read our scripture passage for today. It's Matthew chapter 5, verses 33 through 37. Again, you have heard that it was said to those of old, You shall not swear falsely, but shall perform to the Lord what you have sworn. But I say to you, do not take an oath at all, either by heaven, for it is the throne of God, or by earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not take an oath by your head, for you cannot make one hair white or black. Let what you say be simply yes or no. Anything more than this comes from evil. Amen. All right, let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word. This is why we are here. We are here because our words are not sufficient. Traditions are not sufficient. Your word alone is the authority we look to. Your word is good and your word is truth. So we we submit ourselves to it today. I pray that the teaching of your word would be clear, that you'd speak through me and that you'd give each person ears to hear what you would say to them and to this body collectively and how you are equipping us with these words to be more faithful to you, stewards of the gospel. I pray that the non-believing heart in this room today would become a believing heart full of faith in Jesus I pray that the one who is doubting would be filled with confidence because you are a God of truth. I pray that you take us all today and point our eyes to Jesus Christ and that there would not be a soul in this room that is left uncomforted, unhelped, unhealed, but that we would all look to Jesus today and find hope in in the gospel and truth in your word. Lord, set us free by your truth. We love you, Lord. Speak to us now and teach us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So if you are a guest, uh, just to be clear with what we do here, we we go through books of the Bible. We're in Matthew. Matthew chapter 5 is where we are. We've been in some pretty serious topics. Uh, The week before last, we covered the topic of of lust, and Jesus made a, a very clear statement about what it is to truly lust after somebody, and that sin, the sin of adultery, begins in the heart. Uh, To lust after a person in your heart is to already have committed adultery with them. Then the next week, we talked about divorce and the law about divorce, that in that day, though, there was a great abuse and people were being discarded, women were being discarded and just left because, well, a husband may not have liked the way she cooked breakfast. Uh, Jesus steps in as truly the hero and brings great clarity and puts some good confines and guardrails around marriage and tells us how incredible marriage is between man and woman that's submitted to God. And today, this one may seem a little bit more trivial, but the truth is, it's extremely important. We're talking about the truth. We're dealing today with an issue of character that affects everyone in this room. So last week, if you weren't married and you're like, well, that's an issue of divorce, I can tune out. Or in the week before, like, I don't deal with lust. I don't have to listen. Well, this one most definitely covers every single person in this room. If you've ever uttered the words, I promise, or I swear, then you will be able to relate to this. 
If you've never made a promise and have never invoked another name to ratify that promise, then I'm sure you've been on the receiving end of a broken promise, of an oath that someone broke. We can all relate to the fact that truth matters. Being able to listen to somebody and have them say something to you that means something to to them, they're speaking something that is truthful, that is important. And so this can range from children dealing with broken promises from parents to a job arrangement, not working out the way that your boss said it would. Have you have that? Hey, join me, join this boss. In three months, you'll get a raise and you're gonna make all kinds of money. Six months later, you're like, I've been demoted. You know, what the heck's going on here? Um, it happens. And then to the, a very serious one, which is interesting that this is connected right after the issue of divorce, well, there are marriage oaths that are broken. And so we've, we've all had the ability to relate to this and see this. We've all dealt with this, and it's not a small issue. Jesus chooses this as a point of discussion because the Jewish leaders had also abused this with their traditions like he had, they had abused other things that were written in the law. And so because of that abuse, he is addressing it. He's telling them that they have completely missed the heart of what the law was teaching about oaths and vows. The law in consideration is actually a mix of several different places in the Torah, those first five books of the Bible, Genesis through Deuteronomy, considered the law of Moses, and it touches on at least three of the Ten Commandments, the first, the third, and the ninth, the one that speaks about having God before all, the third one, anybody know the third commandment? Yeah, don't take the Lord's name in vain, and then the ninth commandment, anybody know the ninth commandment? What's that? (laughs) Leave it to the church planter up front. (laughs) Um, Don't bear false witness. Addressing lying. So the picture we need in view here, what we need in view at the beginning of this study and this look at this text is we need the perfect truthfulness of God in view. The point of this is not to just peg us all as liars and then leave us all leaving hopeless. What we want to do is look to Christ and look to God who is the truthful one. He is the truth. And that's so good about God. We speak about God and we're speaking about the truth. We listen to God and we're hearing truth always. He never lies. He cannot lie. Isn't that amazing? To have somebody in your life that cannot lie and will never lie. The problem that we're addressing with these texts before us and Christ's interpretation of them, is that the sin that has corrupted the entire world has made humans untrustworthy. Because of sin in the world, people are generally seen as untrustworthy, which is why we need oaths, which is why there are vows and promises that are made. So let me just show you a few from the Old Testament of where Jesus is interpreting from and how, why this is even a... A subject. So Deuteronomy 23, if you can turn there uh, quickly, feel free. I'll also have it on the screen, but it's always good to know your Bible. So De- Deuteronomy chapter 23, verses 21 to 23. It says, if you make a, a vow to the Lord your God, you shall not delay fulfilling it. For the Lord your God will surely require it of you, and you will be guilty of sin. But if you refrain from vowing, you will not be guilty of sin. 
You should be careful to do what has passed your lips, for you have voluntarily vowed to the Lord your God what you have promised with your mouth. That one's very clear. Don't you love that? It's just a good law. If you make a vow, keep it. If you break it, you've sinned. If you refrain from vowing, you will not be guilty of that sin, of breaking the vow. Look at Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verses 1 through 7. Again, probably drawing from several places, Jesus as he's looking at this law. But Ecclesiastes 5, 1 through 7 says, Guard your steps when you go to the house of God. To draw near to listen is better than to offer the sacrifice of fools, for they do not know that they are doing evil. Be not rash with your mouth, nor let your heart be hasty to utter a word before God, for God is in heaven and you are on earth. Therefore, let your words be few. That's a wisdom right there. For a dream comes with much business and fool's voice with many words. When you vow a vow to God, do not delay paying it, for he has no pleasure in fools. Pay what you vow. It is better that you should not vow than that you should vow and not pay it. Let not your mouth lead you into sin and do not say before the messenger that it was a mistake. Why should God be angry at your voice and destroy the work of your hands? For when dreams increase and words grow many, there is vanity, but God is the one you must fear. And then lastly, as a reference, just two verses in Numbers. Numbers chapter 30, verse 1 to 2. I think it's already clear. We can already see the clarity of what God thinks about vows. Um, be careful with what comes out of your mouth. Where there's many words, there's great sin. Think about how often you've been talking to somebody, and then your words just ramble, and you make promises that you can't keep. And you say things that you never intend to do, but because you like to speak, sometimes you like to hear your own voice. You say things that you regret later. Numbers 30, verse one to two says, Moses spoke to the heads of the tribes of the people of Israel saying, this is what the Lord has commanded. If a man vows a vow to the Lord or swears an oath to bind himself by a pledge, he shall not break his word. He shall do according to all that proceeds out of his mouth. Vows were addressed in the law and God was clear about it. But traditions had crept in And the way that the Jewish leaders and these Pharisees were treating it were not getting at the heart of what the law was saying. So we take these passages, and there are others, and we can conclude that God cares about vows and oaths. He certainly has care about them, which is why he's speaking about them. He wants us to be people of integrity. Isn't that clear? He wants you and I, men and women of faith, Men and women who claim to be Christians, he wants us to be people of integrity. So think about, are you a person of integrity? Do you do what you say you're going to do? Are you trustworthy? Can people trust you? So what had the Jewish leaders done, what they had done with this, and what it had turned into, um, is is what caused Jesus to bring this teaching up. And this is where this seems to touch on the third command. Third command says, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. What does this have to do with vows, taking the Lord's name in vain? And I think it has everything to do with it. So what the Pharisees had done was instead of taking the Lord's name in an oath or a vow, they began taking other names of lesser value in order to make vows 
names of far lesser value than God, and they would swear by them. You saw it in the text. See where it says that? Look again at verse 34. But I say to you, do not take an oath at all, either by heaven, there's one, for it is the throne of God, or by earth, there's another one, or by Jerusalem, or by your own head. He's listing these things off because this is what these Pharisees and Jewish leaders had begun doing. Instead of swearing by God, they would swear by these lesser things, and as a result, they were taking the Lord's name in vain, but they didn't even realize it. Jesus lists them off, heaven, earth, Jerusalem, and the head of man. So the thought was, here's the thought. Again, loopholes. Loopholes, just as with divorce and as with lust. If we use a lesser name than God's holy name and then we break the oath, we can't be accused of breaking the law because we're not using God's name. If we use a lesser name like Jerusalem or heaven or earth or my own head, basically like swearing on your own life, then I can't be guilty of breaking the vow. And Jesus steps in and says, you're missing the heart of it. And in fact, you're still breaking the oath and here is how. So we see the problem with this. This is telling of a person's worldview and their theology. It's telling of how a person sees the world. If you can swear by anything and think that God isn't involved with that thing, then you don't understand who God is. If you don't understand the omniscience, the omnipresence of God, that he is everywhere, so that swear by anything God sees you, then you don't understand God. You don't understand the biblical view of God. He sees you, he knows you, he's watching you. Nothing gets past him. The Jewish worldview had always been that God is creator, he sees everything, he knows everything, and he's the judge of all. That's in the Jewish scriptures. They had forgotten that. Their traditions had clouded them. And they thought they were actually able to get away with breaking this law. So through time and gradual compromise, the Jews were basically teaching people how to lie. That's what the teaching had become. Not be honest, be a person of integrity, but here's how you can lie and not break the law. Here's how you can be a man of compromise and be okay with God. But they were dead wrong. Have you ever done that? You ever sought to be a person of compromise and think about a way, can I get around this and still be okay with God? We can't do that. Not because we're just not able, but it's not even, it's, it's not a possibility because of the power of God and the omniscience, omnipresence of God. He all, he's all seeing and he's all knowing. They were saying that by using different words in an oath, those oaths were no longer binding to them. This was their answer to the law that said, do not swear falsely. Basically, how can we swear falsely if, if we just keep God out of it? How can it be false to God if God's not even in it? And this is why Jesus responds like this. Do not take an oath at all, either by heaven, for, what does he say? It is the throne of God. You swear by heaven, not by God? Well, guess what? That's his throne. You're still, you can't escape God. Well, don't swear by earth. Why? Because it is his footstool. He oversees the whole earth. He has dominion and power over it. Or by Jerusalem, the great city of the king. And do not take an oath by your head, for you cannot make one hair white or black. So you see what he did there. I'll swear by heaven, 
Well, that's, the, that's God's throne. I'll swear by earth, that's God's footstool. I'll swear by Jerusalem, the great city, that's the city of the great kings who foreshadowed King Jesus. That's what Jerusalem was all about. That's what all the kings that came before. David was a foreshadow of Jesus, the everlasting king. You can't swear by Jerusalem and keep God out of it. Okay, then I'll swear by my own head. And as I said before, that's like swearing on your own life. You ever done that? I swear on my own life. If what I say does not happen, you can take my life. Ultimately, what's being said. Well, all life belongs to God. So even then, you are still making an oath and joining it to the name of the Lord. Look at, look at the last part of verse 36. Interesting. You cannot make one hair white or black. What's this all about? He's saying this is how little control you have over your own life. God is the one who knows the number of hairs on your head. You can't even control when you go gray. You swear by your head? That does nothing. You can't even make one hair white or black. You don't have control over your head. God is the giver of life. To swear by your life is still a binding oath in the eyes of God. So you see how loopholes, they just don't work. Don't be people who look for loopholes. We do it all the time in marriage. We do it in work. We do it in relationships. We do it in, in ways of trying to get others to think we're honest, people of integrity. But God sees it. So the heart of the law concerning oaths and vows is that God wants his people to be truthful and full of integrity so that our words and actions line up. That's simple? Makes sense. Words and actions line up. What you say should line up with what your heart thinks, what, you, what is in your heart should line up. And you cannot make an oath by a lesser name or object and think that you are any less obligated to keep it as your oath. God sees everything and it is him to whom we will all give an account. Real quickly, a scripture to bring that sort of to a close. Hebrews 4.13, no creature is hidden from his sight. No creature. But all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. So whatever we think we might do, whatever trickery, whatever loophole, just remember God sees everything. He is the judge. And before him, might as well be just naked and exposed because he sees it all. Now, I grew up in the uh, 90s in the cross my heart, hope to die generation. Anybody still do that? Anybody in the last like month said, I cross my heart, hope to die? Come on, be honest. No, okay. I'm sure somebody did. Or I swear on my mother's grave. Anybody ever said that? Raise your hand if you've ever said that. Come on. I said it. I don't think I meant it. I mean, my, my mother's alive, you know? Uh, the things we say. In my experience, people who use these phrases all the time are the most dishonest people. If you're swearing all the time, I swear to God, I swear to my brother, mother's grave, I swear on my own life, I swear on this and that, you're a dishonest person. You're compensating Occasionally, I still hear, I swear to God. That's probably very common, right? We, still, we hear it. We, 
you probably don't, you don't raise your hand if you've said that this week. Uh, but we do, it slips out. We say these things. And how awful it is that even this statement has been reduced to nothing anymore. I mean, it's one thing to swear to God and make an oath to him and, and do it. It's another thing to just fling it out there with no meaning and even no belief or faith in the God that you're naming. That's taking the Lord's name in vain. You are bearing his name and you know nothing about his holiness and you give no reverence to his holiness. It just slips out. Essentially, the Jews had mastered the art of twisting scripture to allow for lying without the judgment of God. Here's what Matthew Henry says. The worse men are, the less they are bound by oaths. The better they are, the less there is need for them. Hold on to that. That's true. You should not need so many oaths or to swear by this or that. We as Christian people should just be Truthful. Now, I'm going to address later on, what about the heart? The heart is a lying mess, full of idols, and you need the gospel of redemption to change you so that you are not just held captive by the habitual lying that so many of us grew up with. I, I made an art out of lying. I just shared this with my, my kids the other day. I remember being, it was my first day of school. I'm on the bus. These kids had no idea who I was. It was my opportunity to paint a picture of who I was. So I sat next to a kid. He owned a dirt bike. Oh, I own a dirt bike. No, I did not own a dirt bike. Oh yeah, we go dirt biking all the time and I've got this racetrack. Me too. Kids are so evil. But this is what I did. I thought it was great. I want them all to think. So I just made up a story. I had no thought about it. Maybe later I had a little conviction, like I shouldn't have done that, maybe. And how am I going to dig out of this when, he, when I invite him to my house? Because I did want friends, you know? Man, just is that not telling the depth of the despair? And it's not just a cute little kid thing, and we're laughing, but that is evidence of the sin that is in the human heart. Nobody taught me to do that. I just knew how. I was really good at it. Some of you are good at lying too. Don't brag about that. It's not uh, something to put on the resume. This is the heart of the matter. When God is valued, loved, and worshiped, people are truthful. When God is loved, valued, and worshiped, they're truthful because he is the highest good and motivation for integrity. Because God is truth, when he is our focus and our attention, we want to be truthful people when he is in view. Psalm 51.6, behold, you delight in truth in the inward being, and you teach me wisdom in the secret heart. That's where God wants to see truth. Not just oaths that are empty, vows that mean nothing. But he delights in truth in the inward being. And that takes a miraculous work of God. That takes far more than just learning to be truthful. That takes a transformation. To be somebody whose identity isn't liar, but truth teller, takes a transformation of God. And I, and I would hope that that's actually why we're all here. I hope that's why you're here. Not to come here and prove to everyone sitting around you that you're better than they think you are. 
That's not why we come to church. That's not why we gather, to prove to other people that we're better than they think. But we're ultimately here to admit before God our constant need for him. So we sit under his word, we sit here in worship, we sing, we praise him, and we're here before here for God. He sees us. Our constant need for him needs to be confessed and admitted all the time. The, the need for the cleansing work of Jesus, the sanctifying work of the Spirit to make the distance between our old nature in, before Christ and the new one that is in Christ into a canyon rather than a little ditch that you can just jump back and forth. I think I'll lie today. I'll tell the truth today. That should become a chasm that you're just so in fellowship with God and his truth is so upon you that that chasm grows and you remain a truthful person. And you just become truthful because he's transforming you. And you're no longer trying to jump back and forth between the world and a relationship with Christ, but you're sold out for Jesus, who is the epitome of truth. This is what we need. We need this sanctifying work. Now, to the world, this means nothing the world this means nothing you have a a seminar on truth or lying it's the way of life to lie and get out of things to say untruthful things to get a better deal to get a better job to get into a relationship that you shouldn't be in anyway but then you lie so that you can and so you can have that fling for a moment and it's but that's that's the world it's not the church it's not the way of christ to the world it's what's the big deal I swear on my mother's grave. I swear on my father's life. I swear by the urn of my dear Aunt Fiona. You know, whatever you can come up with. All of these are really just forms of idolatry. Ultimately what that is. Because in these cases, when somebody just swears by all these different things, God's ability to see and know all things has been sidestepped for dead or living relatives who are nowhere near as important as your creator in heaven. God is the ultimate. He is the most important. It is before him that we will give an account. Now, just to kind of come back to the text and maybe answer some questions. So is God, is is Christ actually prohibiting promises and oaths? Is he saying don't ever make a promise and don't ever make an oath. No, I don't think he is saying that. Jesus spoke under an oath in Matthew 26. You can make a a little mark there and go there later, but um, basically when he's under trial, they say, do you swear? And then Jesus answered, right? He, He didn't prohibit the oath there. He just, under the court, he spoke his word. At least three times, Paul, the apostle, called on God as his witness. You've, now you recognize it, right? As God is my witness. That's swearing or making an oath. That's what he's doing. He did it to bolster the words that he was speaking to the church and to increase their faith. My words are as good as what God has said is ultimately what Paul was saying. And then God himself, God himself swore by himself. Just so you know, you can't do that. We don't have that kind of authority. See, God says, I don't swear by anyone other than myself because there is no one higher than myself. So God swears by his own name and that is the highest level of an oath that you can, 
achieve. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 13. I'll have it on the screen just for time's sake. You feel free to turn there and put a mark there if you want to study it later. But Hebrews chapter 6, beginning in verse 13, says, For when God made a promise to Abraham, since he had no one greater by whom to swear, he swore by himself, saying, Surely I will bless you and multiply you. And thus Abraham, having patiently waited, obtained the promise. For people swear by something greater than themselves, and in all their disputes, an oath is final for confirmation. So when God desired to show more convincingly to the heirs of the promise the unchangeable character of his purpose, he guaranteed it with an oath. God himself made an oath. So that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled for refuge might have strong encouragement to hold fast to the hope set before us. See, we look to God who makes oaths And that is a good thing. He has made an oath to us. You know what those two things that he swore by? Those two things that cannot lie, cannot those two unchangeable things, you know what they were? A promise and an oath. God didn't just make a promise, he made an oath, and neither of them can change. What was the promise? I will bless you and multiply you. I'm so glad that God swore by his own name when he made that promise. Not only was he already truthful, But to increase and strengthen, he gives it to us and says, I'm making an oath and a promise, and I'm not a liar. You can trust me. I will bless you. I will multiply you. So it can't be that oaths are all bad because the entire system of our salvation is built upon what? A covenant. The entire system of our redemption is built on a covenant. Even the old covenant was a promise. God promised So it was an oath, it was a promise that God would perform his faithfulness. The covenant that God made was with another party. Who was that? Abraham, Israel, the children of God. But God knew that Abraham and the future people of Israel would not always uphold the faithfulness to the covenant. So he himself swore by himself, I will bless you and multiply you. And he made a covenant with them. And in that covenant of law and sacrifice, what were we pointed to? Jesus Christ. Ultimately pointed to Christ in whose blood the new covenant would be sealed. God made a covenant with Abraham. If you remember in Genesis, Abraham was put to sleep. God did the traditional form of covenant making, sacrificing animals, creating a walkway between the sacrifices and God walked through. Normally, the two parties making the covenant would walk through together, whether it was a contract for some land or whatever it was. God put Abraham to sleep and he went through and made the covenant himself. You guys see what that's saying? Abraham could never have kept the covenant. God is saying, I will keep this covenant with you and ultimately, it's through Jesus Christ. The everlasting king of kings. The one who would save his people and ultimately bring eternal blessing. And the kingdom would multiply and fulfill all that God had promised to Abraham. This new covenant is incredible. It's a covenant of grace, not a covenant of works. It's a promise that hinges on a finished work. So now we look at this in Jesus and we look at the new covenant, the new promise And we look at an already done, already finished work. No more sacrifices. The law of God being fulfilled in Christ. We now place our faith in him and we obtain the promise of blessing 
that was promised to Abraham. We get that. All of this is an oath. And so the reason I point you to this oath and promise is because this is how we understand what God wants from us in the promises and the vows that we make to other people and how we live our lives before him. Notice what Jesus says as he wraps up this portion of text. He simply says this, let what you say be simply yes or no. Anything more than that, this comes from evil. Pretty straightforward. I hope that we all would want to live our lives by that. That we would just be yes or no people. And that what we say matters because we live our lives before God. When you make a promise or you do commit to something or someone asks you if you're able to fulfill a task for them, you ever been there? You say yes and they're like, do you promise? And you're like, oh, do I have to promise? That's the world we live in. People don't believe anybody. We've been so burned by people. We need promises. But when you're in that situation, when that's what you're asked, whatever the scenario might be, remember that it is because of evil that yes or no is not enough. So if you're tempted to say something more than yes or no, at least from this text know that we need to be thinking about this. What is the motivation of our heart that we can't just say yes or no to the person? And the reason why we would want to say something more than just yes or no or swear by something, it's not rooted in God. It's rooted in evil. That's what Jesus is saying. But the kingdom of Christ through the church is here to change this. That's why we are here. That's why Christ came. Our witness to the world and the church should be simply yes and no people with sincerity and every intention to do what we say. Apply this to yourselves, all of your relationships, everything that you do, where this scenario would come up. Think about this. What would happen if you were a faithful person of integrity and your yes and your no mattered And it's not to say that we will never fall short of good intentions. It's not to say that you won't say yes at some point and maybe fail. That takes a whole lot of grace and forgiveness from everybody else. Sometimes it's the way that people respond to a failure that is also part of why this world has become a world of broken oaths. So the church needs to be more faithful and integrity and with filled with integrity in our words and also more gracious and loving and forgiving on the other other side when people disappoint us. We will fall short of others' expectations at times. And so we lean on Christ's forgiveness for these things and the gospel that he has loved us with becomes our motivation to do unto others as we would have them do unto us. Because ultimately, we don't want to be lied to, right? Nobody wants to be lied to. Nobody wants to have a broken oath. So we live that way in light of Christ and what he has done for us. And so may we have less need for promises because our yes and no actually mean something. And should you need to make an oath, do not take the Lord's name in vain. I would just say don't do it. Don't take it. And if you do swear by your Father in heaven. 
He sees you. His, ma- his name means something. He is holy. Do not take his name in vain. Should you need to ensure someone that your truth is, that you are telling the truth, here's something that you could say. Rather than the, I swear to God, or I swear by my, brother, my mother's grave, all these things, you could say, because God is holy and truthful and because he has saved my once lying heart by the gracious gift of his son, I have no greater desire in my life than to uphold his word of truth. I don't need to swear by anything because I value Jesus Christ, the truth teller, the one who is truth, and I have no greater desire in my life than to emulate him. I don't need to swear. I actually listened to one pastor today or uh, earlier this week said if he ever was in the situation where he was asked to put his hand on the Bible, he would actually say something like that. I don't need to put my hand on a Bible. I have the revealed son of God who has saved my life. And he is my life and he should be your life. You shouldn't need to swear by anything. One last word for the person here uh, who might be here and is not a Christian. I really want to emphasize this because I know that before I was a Christian, I had no desire to tell the truth. And even though I had maybe a little desire, I didn't feel the weight of it. It wasn't a God thing. It wasn't because of the law of God. But listen to this. Hear me, please. Dishonesty in the heart is one great sign and proof of the sin that lay deeper in your heart. That's just one broken command. The lying heart is only one out of ten. How much do we, do you need a Savior to save you from your sin? To forgive you from the lying from the dishonesty, and to make you into a new person who values and loves Christ as his Savior. The lying tongue is a product of an evil heart that desperately needs saving. That's why we lie, because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. If you're full of lies, then your heart is a lying heart, and you need to repent of your sin and turn to Jesus and he will forgive you. Not only of that sin, but every sinful record that has ever been upon your shoulders and he will give you a free, clean record and the righteousness of Christ upon you. Glory to God. Amen, church? Like this is salvation. No more guilty record. Lying is just one thing. And Christ never spoke a lie. Why is that important? Because he, we get his record. We get his record of perfect righteousness before the Father. So the liar can go to Jesus, say, I trust you as my Savior. I repent of my sin. I want to serve you for my life. I love you. Thank you for dying for me on the cross. And there is an exchange. There is a transaction that takes place where your lying record is transferred to Jesus and you get his perfect record. Put anything in there. Liar, cheater, fornicator, hater, murderer. Whatever it is, Jesus was perfect on your behalf. So turn from lying. Maybe even Christians need to hear this today too. I would imagine turn from empty promises. Be a truth teller. 
Turn from your need to compensate for your dishonesty by throwing out ridiculous oaths that you never intend to keep. Repent of your rebellion and entrust your heart fully to Jesus Christ today. If you're in my earshot right now and you're not in Christ, this is the call to come to Christ, to repent and turn to him. He has died for you and he has risen from the grave. And trust your heart to him for forgiveness and reconciliation to the Father because that's ultimately what we need. That massive chasm brought to nothing because Jesus filled that gap. He stood there. And this is done by faith alone. It's done by relenting and surrendering, by brokenness and contrition before him. See, the person who is the liar or the sinner and stays in that today and says, I want nothing to do with that, you walk out of this room in your condemnation. But the one who puts their faith in Christ and repents and believes is doing what scripture has said to do for the way of salvation. And that is the only way. Repent and believe today and he will come into you and he will fellowship with you and you will be his disciple and he will be your God and he is the great covenant keeper. You will fail, you will mess up. There will be times of great deep sorrow as you continue this journey. But that's why the gospel is so essential that what Christ has done is complete. So what's the point of all this? Aside, of, aside from doing that and being right with God and getting your soul right with your maker through Jesus Christ, would be the whole church, the whole body agreeing, say, yes, we're gonna, look, we're gonna look to Christ today. He is the truth teller. He is the truth, the way, the life. And all of my dishonesty and lying and whatever application that has been done in, all my reasons and excuses for making oaths, I don't want anything to do with that. I wanna be filled with his truth and I wanna tell the truth to the glory of Jesus Christ. How's that sound? You guys promise to do that? I'm just kidding. <laughs> There's a trap. You, you passed the test. <laughs> All right, let me pray for us because I believe this is serious. There's very serious things and as we pray, this is not the time to dodge it. This is the time to go before the Lord and uh, perhaps even get right with him for the first time. So Father, I pray that in your immense patience and kindness that you would look upon the people of this room, some part of your church saved by the precious blood of Jesus, having put their faith in you and the finished work of Christ and his resurrection. Some still outside of faith. Maybe some looking in and seeking and hungry and desirous to see some change. But they've yet to put their faith in you and, and have to just say, yes, yes, Lord, I will follow you. Thank you for saving my life. I repent of my sin and I turn to you, Jesus. Forgive me. I pray whatever needs to be done in this congregation today that you would do that work by your powerful Holy Spirit and that your word would be like that seed that plants deep and is watered and grows and becomes mighty. Lord, that no bird of the air would come and pluck it away, that no sun, the trials of the world would not scorch any of the seed that's planted, but that it would just go deep and that there would be not just surface level excitement for the things that we can get from you, but ultimate joy in our Savior Jesus Christ. 
Would you save souls? Would you continue to sanctify your church? Help us to take all of these things and bring them truly and and sincerely into our lives, into our homes, that men would be truthful, that women would be truthful, that we would be truthful parents to our kids when we lie, when we break a promise, that our houses, our homes, our workplaces, our relationships would be filled with, with confession and forgiveness because that's what you did. I pray that we would take the the very weight of the grace that you've shown all of us as sinners and be so willing to forgive those who have lied to us. Help us to emulate Christ. Help us to be careful with our words. Where there are many words, there is much sin. Help us to be wise. God, give us wisdom. Change and transform this land through the witness of your church. Let this be just one of many things that we intentionally pray about. Transform us and change us, Lord. We thank you for your love. Thank you for your grace and your word is so sweet, so precious to us. Help us to obey now and not just look into the mirror of the word and walk away pretending nothing needs to be done. Lord, to deal with the business that you've given us to do today. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thanks for listening to today's episode of the New City Church podcast. For more content from New City Church, check us out on any of the major podcasting platforms. Or if you want to find our gathering times, location, or any other information about New City, check out our website at www.bathnewcity.church. We hope to have you join us next episode.